Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the people who turned a niche Scottish football podcast into a critically acclaimed TV show on the BBC. It's Review from the Terrace, a pop culture podcast network. Hello and welcome to the Still Game podcast. My name is Bethany Tenick. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Scottish Rewatchable. Hello and welcome to Review from the Turnbuckle. Debating the best in movies, iconic TV shows, classic albums, peak era wrestling and so much more. Some intern got fired for that, like, <laughs> like Jared! And what would you have done? <laughs> Loved it. What a moment. What a moment. Review from the Terrace brings together a collection of professionals, pals, misfits and special guest interviews. The one and only Ewan Angus. Big G Telfer. Director of Slow Games, Michael Hines. That's Review from the Terrace, a newly created podcast network with at least two shows dropping every week. Hi, neighbour. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, man. It's been a long time, man. <laughs> Many people will say it's the biggest moment in the history of wrestling. It's about 35. <laughs> <laughs> Find us on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Marjorie Rothbaum back in the chair. And after last week's nil-nil lead draw with Southampton, many, many were writing City off uh, as serious title contenders. And then they go to Chelsea and put in what I think was a magnificent performance. Uh, 1-0 frankly flattered the pensioners. Uh, we then have a small matter of the Champions League. PSG, Messi, Mbappe and Neymar and co. Where I thought we played quite well, actually. Uh, came away with a 2-0 loss, of course. And, of course, we look forward to Liverpool away on Sunday. And after a week so far that's given us a win and a loss, it's got a draw written all over it, hasn't it? Uh, I've got three guests to discuss that and much more. Welcome back. Welcome back after a long, long time away to someone who every single book I pick up at the moment has got Ian Lee's in. I've read two books recently, and Ian Lee's all over it. So, so Ian, welcome. Good evening, Nigel. Good to see everyone again. Nice, fit and healthy. Good. Fantastic. Good to see you, Lizo. Uh, welcome back, of course, to Sarah Messenger. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Nigel. And last and certainly not least, welcome back to Nick Goldstone. Hi, Nick. Hi, Nigel. Um, can we start quickly with that Chelsea performance? Uh 
Is it going too far, Sarah, to say that's probably one of our best performances in a long time, defensively, creatively? We just, we dominated them from start to finish. They didn't have a shot on goal in 90 minutes. What what a great performance that was. It was fantastic. And I don't think it's going too far to say that. I think it's one of our best away performances probably in the last couple of years. I, I, I think if we're honest, as City fans... It was hard to call how it was going to go. It was There was a degree of trepidation about it because Chelsea have made such a good start and there was the whole thing about does Tuchel have this hoodoo over Pep and the last three results against him. But I, I, I thought they played really, really well. It was, you know, I know it's a cliche, but for me it was the performance of champions. It was a performance of a team that absolutely is confident in itself, knew what it had to do to win, you know, at a tough venue against clearly one of the main contenders for the title this year. Um, and it was it was just really impressive. A 3-0 would not have flattered us. So a, a great day, really good day to be a City fan and topped off by uh, a certain uh, Mr Fernandez blasting his penalty halfway to Ashton. So a, a pretty good day, I think. Just landed in your back garden, I believe the ball. Yeah. Uh, Lizzo, <laughs> listen, what, what stood out particularly for you, my friend? Personally, I thought the defence, I, I was a bit dubious about Laporte and um, and Diaz together because we've got used to Stones and uh, and Diaz. But to be honest with you, the, the defence seems to be getting stronger and stronger, to be honest with you. Um, my only, I, I don't want to use the word criticism, but my only improvement would be we're lacking this out-and-out goal scorer. I don't want to use the word number nine because apparently everybody keeps using that, but we don't seem to have that final killer touch. And Sarah's related to it, where it should have been three, four nil. And just recently, the last two games, we've not been able to put that ball in the back of the net. We haven't got an Aguero at the moment, but that's my only concern. I mean, some would argue we've scored more league goals than anybody else. We're winning five and six nil. Uh, they're coming from all over the park. Uh, last season, we didn't play with Aguero in, in many games and we still won the league at a canter. Nick, you, you, you got the same concern as Lizo, or are you just thrilled to see us go to the European champions and win with such ease? I definitely share those concerns to a, a large extent, uh, but it was a great performance. There were standout performances all over the place. I thought, I thought Rodri was majestic. I thought Bernardo was absolutely fantastic. That was that was close to his performance against Liverpool a couple of years ago. The back four were brilliant and um, it was a stunning result. And I think we, we essentially played them off the park, but we certainly did lack cutting edge up front. It was something that I certainly mentioned to myself and others at, at half time when it was nil-nil. We got the goal. We should have had more uh, The game when the game opened up. But, you know, on that occasion... We made it happen and we got across the line with a very, very well-deserved win. I mean, you've mentioned a few players. I mean, I think Bernardo, Rodri, Cancelo, um, some fantastic performances about the park. Can we, can we just talk about this striker situation? Because we've covered it in previous shows, a lot of press and a lot of column inches around uh, Kane's possible transfer. Um, is Haaland going to come at the end of the year? And all those sort of things. Sarah, how concerned are you? Or are you in the camp that says, look, Pep will change it. We didn't need an out-and-out striker last year. It, it will score enough goals. Or, or and we'll obviously come on to the PSG game as well, where we were, we didn't score, or maybe we should have done. Uh, is it is it a concern? Does this mean that our grasp on the Premier League title is 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 less less clear? 
I think, um, look, if we had a guaranteed 30-goal-a-season striker, and there's probably four or five names that we could put into that bracket playing for City, um, I mean, City fans would never say, oh, we're guaranteed to win the league, but I think we'd be even more confident than we are at the moment. On the other hand, as you rightly say, we've scored uh, more goals than anyone else and we're, you know, we've put five or six past teams with regularity. I think the concern for me about not having an out-and-out striker is that, you know, you can argue, does it really make a lot of difference whether we beat Norwich 4-0 or 5-0, unless the title is decided on goal difference? It doesn't. The reason an out-and-out world-class striker would make a difference is in tight games that we might end up drawing where and there was perhaps you know three four chances in the entire game at the moment some in some games we're not taking any of those chances and that's the bit that concerns me that it will cost us points that we might otherwise have got whether it will mean we don't win the title I think remains to be seen because we did it last season without an out-and-out striker for most of the season. We've clearly got very talented players. We've got a lot of players who can score goals, hence why they're spread around so much. But I think I'd be delighted if we got somebody, whether it's in January or next summer, who we were all confident would score those. Particularly, and I've said it before about one-on-one chances, we're absolutely shocking when it's one-on-one on the keeper. And sadly, it's usually Raheem that's in that position. Um, I, I, I struggle to think of too many examples where they've gone in the net since we had Mr Aguero doing it for us. So, yeah, it's a bit of a concern. Lisa, if you were kind of in Pep's shoes and you had the job of picking that sort of attacking line, I mean, we've got so many options. I mean, Jesus, obviously, wears number nine. Um, he's been playing a bit wider, of course, this season. We've got Delap, um, we've got Torres... Uh, Sterling can play there, Mares can play there, Grealish can play there. So, so if you could set us up, what, what do you think is our best attacking front three, front two? How would how would you play it? Well, I've seen so far. I'm a bit disappointed he's not tried Torres for the for the last few games up front. Um, you know, Spain used him uh, as a number nine, and we've used him as a number nine before, and he seems to be the one that creates the the disruption in the back four of the opposition. Um, we've tried Sterling for the last couple of games and he doesn't seem to have worked. Um, Grealish, I love him to death, but I, having seen him come on la- or phone, replace him last night, he's still got a lot of learning to do. He's still got the learning of the pep way to do. He's a bit slow. He isn't getting the ball in the middle too uh, quickly enough. So I think we're really short of somebody that can just, a Gary Lineker that can just stab the ball in the back of the net, to be honest with you. So I'll be honest with you, at the moment, I think he's struggling to pick his best three up front, to be honest. Uh, Mahrez just comes, uh, to be fair, Mahrez has been quite good this season. I like the way he's uh, used alternative uh, routes, to always say. He always uh, was nicknamed the one-trick pony. So we seem to be testing things, but yeah, we, we've got the goals in the back. But again, I think Sarah's mentioned it. It's five against Arsenal, five against Norwich, not against Southampton, not against PSG. It's the harder games where we're going to need that out-and-out striker. Uh, uh, Nick, were you surprised by the way we dominated Chelsea? I mentioned at the start of the show the fact that they didn't have a shot on target. Um, it was complete domination. Were, were you surprised to see that? Yeah. Uh, Chelsea are a bloody good team. Um, and it's 
it's very, very rare for anybody to do that against them at the moment. It was um, it was something of a compliment to us, and I, I thought slightly embarrassing for for Tuchel and for Chelsea that they were so defensive and so determined to play very, very deep and just try and play on the break, and we we dominated to such an extent, and you know it was, it was well covered I think on the in in the media coverage of the game just how good the tackling back the covering was um to just completely overwhelm them for the almost the entire game and I was there at the game and I was behind the goal and I was very conscious that I was sitting uh, in a safe standing area Chelsea are one of the teams along with City of course who have installed this rail seating um, and I was talking to uh, a friend of the show and regular contributor, Roger Reed, who who's uh, working at the club as a tour guide and, and, and understand a lot of, of the background, what's going on. And he, I asked him about it. And just for context so people understand what's going on, is the city installed 5,600 rail seats um, in the lower tier of the South Stand uh, and also included some seats in the way section as well. Uh, and the government, of course, have confirmed that they will undertake initial trials in certain designated areas. So it just means that City are kind of well set up for that. I just just kind of wanted your your quick reaction to that. Um, they weren't great to sit in, I have to say. Not that I did much sitting, maybe at half-time at a, a five-minute break. But for standing in, certainly felt safe. I don't know whether you've had any experience, maybe being up to Celtic or, or whatever. What, what's your view? There's obviously mixed views. I guess if you talk to some Liverpool fans, they may be less keen. Um, and people connected, obviously, with that. But 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 your thoughts, um, Lizo? Uh, thoughts on safe standing? Um, I've not really got much opinion on it, to be honest with you, because there's no increased capacity uh, um, anywhere along the ground. Um, it, it just seems to uh, accommodate people that um, have got a seating area but uh, keep standing standing up. So I think it's one of them where if we can't sit down, we stand up. To be honest with you, make it as safe as possible. Um, I've seen the seating at, um, at the Etihad. It seems okay. It's, it's a seat with a rail behind it. So again, if it makes it safer standing up and, uh, and supposed to prefer it, then yes, so be it. We just wait for the legislation to pass it and say, yes, we can do it legally. Nick, you have a view? Strong view either way? Not especially, but I think, you know, if, if you stood behind, if you're behind the goal at City, you, you, you're, you've been standing up for every game for, for the past uh, however many years anyway. And if you go to any away game, then it's the same. Even at Wembley, where we've obviously got vast experience in a lot of the seats around the goal and in the lower tier, you stood up for the entire game, whether you like it or not, quite honestly. If people want to stand, then good luck to them. Anything to add, Sarah? Well, I think just that, you know, we've all been to a lot of away games between us and and you, you never sit down when you're at an away game. And and actually, it's part of the experience, particularly with the singing, is enhanced by people standing up. But we want people to be able to do that safely. So I think it's good for the game if it's going to uh, not only allow people to watch the game in the way that's most natural or comfortable for them, but also safely. And it enhances the atmosphere because people are let's be for honest you're much more likely to sing and chant if you're stood up in a group than if you're just sitting on your chair so I think it's a good thing and, and actually Nigel well just briefly if I can while we're on the subject of seating I did just want to say uh, a, just pay tribute to somebody who works for the club John Dysarth who's been an absolute star in helping my dad to 
change his seat. Um, my dad's a very sprightly 85-year-old, goes to all the games that the Etihad had, um, but had a seat originally this season that was down 15 quite steep steps without a handrail and understandably wasn't overly keen on making that trip down there, um, albeit that sometimes stewards are available to help. So um, with a bit of help from my mum, he got in touch with the club and John sorted him out with a seat that only involves going down one step. So I think I just want, I think it's important because I know the club's had a lot of criticism, quite rightly, for some of the ticketing fiascos over the last couple of months. So um, I think it's right that we should also pay tribute to them when they get something right. And they've certainly looked after my dad. Well, that's really nice to hear. So a good news story. Thank you. So, John, the, the case of champagne you're going to send to Sarah is Sarah Messenger, <laughs> care of the Man City Show, Manchester, England. Uh, brilliant. Uh, that's, that's a great story, Sarah. Thank you very much. Let, let's, let's just and, um, wish your dad well from us. It's good to hear that he's still going regularly. Um, Sarah, t- just just touch on, uh, can we Wickham again in the, in the Man City Cup, as it's been renamed, as we know. Um, six teenagers made their first team debut. Um, I won't read them all out. Any any of those particularly stand out for you? And I, th- I think what's interesting as well, of course, is you think that, but we still had KDB, Foden, Mares, Torres, and Sterling in the side. So it was a real mix of youth and experience. Uh, any of the kids particularly stand out for you? Clearly, a convincing win against Wickham. Yeah, I, I didn't. I wasn't at the game, so I and I, as we know, they, uh, the the TV companies chose to show other games. Not sure why, but anyway, um, but. I mean, we've got this love affair with the Carabao Cup, haven't we? So on one hand, you know, there's an argument we don't want to get, it freezes up if we're not into the last rounds of it. But on the other hand, we'll all be a bit upset when our winning run dating back to Barack Obama's presidency comes to an end. Um, You know, all the, everything I've read and what the highlights that I've watched, I think all the youngsters did themselves credit. I know there was certainly a lot of praise for the, um, the young lad who played at left back, Joshua, I've forgotten his son. I know he's got a double barrel surname, but I know no, nice little. Josh Wilson S. Brand. S. Brand. Yes, Wilson S. Brand. Well, I I, I know he uh, he got a lot of plaudits and certainly played a great part in the uh, in one of the goals, I think Amara's goal. So just really great. And there's also a clip doing the rounds at the moment, I think, of the under 18s a goal they scored from the kickoff, which is just Pep style all over it. So, you know, I think this is really exciting times for us. And I'm really hopeful that two or three of these players will become first team regulars because it's definitely a City fans. It's something we all want. So a great performance from them. Really good. Uh, Nick, Sarah makes a good point, doesn't it? Obviously, we always want these young lads to make it into the first team to show we're kind of growing our own, as it were, rather than just importing and paying big, big salaries and, and big transfer fees. Uh, anybody stand out for you? Any, any highlights for you from the game? Don't know if you saw it, if you were there. I wasn't there. And, and I, I mean, I saw uh, some of the highlights. I, I thought, you know, they acquitted themselves well there. It was clearly, you know, a quite a tough sort of half an hour or so before they really got going as a team. And um, the five or six uh, of, of the senior players up, up, up in the top half of the pitch, obviously, did the job. Um, but, you know, it's difficult. I think it's difficult to have confidence that we're going to see any of these guys um, regularly going forward because track record over the past few years suggests that, you know, we see them very rarely and and they don't get any sort of consistent 
um, run at, 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 a, at a spot in the first team, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but then again, you know, we, we, we want to win games and we want to win cups. So these guys have got to really step up and clearly they've got to really make a name for themselves, get themselves properly into the, to the first team squad. Lisa, you're, you're relatively close to these things. Do you think any of them have got a chance? Um, have you seen much of them? Oh, well, I was at the game, and, and my first impression was, who were the back four? We were going to get murdered, especially with uh, Wick, um, Wickham's uh, number nine. He was about 25 stone, and uh, I thought he's going to bully them. Um, but they started off nervously, but just eased into the game. It was a good learning curve for them, and... Um, Wilson Esbrand was on the bench last night in Paris. So it shows that Pep does have a confidence in, in some of his younger players. Cole Palmer, I think, is going to be, he's got the confidence. He will, he will make it in the first team. But again, it's just another step towards the first team for them, to be honest with you. So yeah, no, they were full credit. And I've not met anybody yet who didn't have any praise for them. Good. Well, listen, we're still going to talk about the Champions League, uh, which is coming next, and we'll do that straight after this break. Welcome back. It was Paris. It was all set up. The two oil clubs, and it ended in a 2-0 victory for Paris Saint-Germain. But City, I thought, played really well, Nick. And uh, I think we're unfortunate to come away with a 2-0 loss. Yeah, I thought they played really well. And I'm generally someone who doesn't praise us after we've lost, I have to say. I'm, I'm prone to be quite critical. But, I mean, I've got one or two critical things to say. Um, but overall, I thought... We absolutely dominated the game. We controlled it to a level pretty close to the Chelsea game. There weren't necessarily the real standout performances. Um, maybe you could say Walker uh, was one. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not sure I'd pick out any other players, but I thought the likes of Mares. And Grealish had pretty decent games. It didn't quite work out for them on the night, but I, I thought they worked hard and played well. Um, and, you know, very fine lines because I genuinely didn't think the performance was wildly different to the Chelsea performance. And I thought the game generally panned out in a similar sort of way. Um, but on this occasion, you know, we were, we were facing some very, very good players. Um, who scored two goals out of almost the only decent possession that they had the whole the whole game. Um, I think the one point of criticism I would make is up front and um, Sterling, because um, I really didn't think he had a good game. Uh, Lisa, we didn't, first of all, just touch on the Sterling thing, uh, but then I'm I'm keen to sort of just explore, does it really that matter that much? Because a number of City fans were saying, actually, let's just send the reserves over. We can afford to lose a game, uh, keep everybody fit for the weekend. We're going to be talking about the Liverpool game at the moment. So as it turns out, we did lose um, and we can afford to do that. In, in the long run, are hopefully just Paris and City going to get through anyway? Um, but to start with the Sterling issue first, is that becoming a bit of a problem? A lot of City fans are picking him out for particular criticism at the moment? 
think it's become a problem for the last 12 months for him, to be honest with you. Um, and I think Raheem's lost a lot of confidence. Um, the season before last, he was scoring goals for fun, but he had uh, David Silva there. He had Gunny Guerrero there to, to play them sort of one-twos. Um, and even previous before that, he had Sane as well. At the moment, he doesn't seem to have a pattern where he can link with someone. He's, he's trying with Grealish. I noticed um, one or two games where he's tried with Grealish, and he's also done that with, with England as well. Um, but again, I think we're all highlighting the, the, the problem up front, um, which it's really great to hear, but the only problem we've got is we're trying to stick the ball in the back of that, even when we're, we're, we're um, best goal scorers in the country by a mile at the moment. So it, it's an interesting subject. I'd still like to see Torres up front um, to see what he can do. Uh, we've got two ball players in Mares and uh, Greenies that can put it in the middle. And Torres seemed to be uh, the only one that really, uh, other than Gabriel, to, to put the ball in the back of the net, to be honest with you. So that's where I would stand. What about the issue, Lisa, about it mattering or not? How, how important a loss is it? Or is actually is this pretty much an irrelevance and we just hope everybody's got back on the plane fit and well and not too exhausted for the for the trip to Anfield at the weekend? Does it really matter? Um, no, no. I think we're all quite calm about it, to be honest with you, again. Um, because we, we do have a depleted squad, um, really. We only have a, a, a squad of 22 players, really. And again, if you look to the bench last night, we had um, we had the left back, um, a young kid on on the bench. I'm sure we're going to see Cole Palmer on there at some point. Um, so again, yeah, I think it's a, a more in depth squad. When, when we've got um, a schedule of over sixty games a season now, I think it is going to be a bit of a problem where we've lost a couple of players, we've not really replaced them, and we've still got a short squad. To be honest with you, so yes, I do. But from performance-wise, no, didn't matter. The performance was excellent. Um, if you notice PSG last night, they'd improved from last year because he brought a couple of players. You know, a Ballon d'Or winner by all means, he made the difference. I thought we coped with him very well. It was just that one opportunity. Um, so again, I've come away. Um, my only concern now is it's Bruges. If you look at the group. They seem to be doing very well. They seem to be the ones coming up behind. So that's where I think our um, we need to strengthen up is against Bruges. They're the two games, to be honest with you. So, certainly now, because City are obviously lying third place in the group now after the, after the last night's results. Mm. Sarah, presumably you would rather have gone into the Anfield game with two wins um, rather than a win and a loss, because it's all about momentum, isn't it, as well? So... Uh, where do you sit on this? It doesn't matter, or actually a win would have been quite good because it would have been so buoyant and so confident. Well, that, that would have been the dream week, wouldn't it? But, I mean, let's be honest, I think we'd have all taken three draws from this week from hell. So to start with a, a win against Chelsea was great. If you were going to lose one, that last night was the one to lose. Um, so I don't I don't think... I mean, I think as well as... Because they played well. If they hadn't played well, I think that would be a bit, little bit more of a concern for what it might mean for Liverpool. But they played well enough. Um, and actually, I think from a City point of view, we have, to, we have to look at two of the teams that are viable contenders for the Champions League, Chelsea and PSG, have set themselves up defensively against us. 
Um, and you know that's a compliment to how good a football team we are. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, if Bernardo's chance had gone in, I mean, I jigged halfway around the lounge before I realised he'd missed it. So, um, but if that had gone in, who knows where the game might have gone? It didn't. Um, but I, I, you know, I don't think it's hugely sim- significant. Um, but, but you know, I also agree with Ian. You know, we need to two wins against Club Bruges and we're we're fine drop points against them and it gets a little bit more tricky. We don't want to go to, to the into the PSG game absolutely needing to beat them to qualify. I don't mind needing to beat them to finish top, but we don't need we don't want to have to beat them to qualify. So we'll see. There were lots of interesting points about it, I think. And I, and I agree absolutely in terms of momentum, the fact that we, we, we played really well. It shouldn't really impact on the Liverpool game um, in anything but... But 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 uh, um, um, a good way. I mean, this is an extraordinary week with the fixtures that we that we've got, um, and uh, it, I mean, just again in terms of last night, I think that we had a club record eighteen attempts on goal in that game against you know arguably one of the very very hot favourites to win the Champions League this year, um, and. Uh, I agree again with Sarah that it was yet again a compliment to us that they were so they were so defensive and um, you know I thought generally we coped really well but I did just want to just want to touch on Sterling again because just in a couple of ways one is that you know the argument about what we do with uh, our striker this season is is clearly now not about who we're going to bring in because we haven't brought anybody in and that might change in. January, but I guess it's relatively unlikely. So it's now really much more about who plays there and and how we get the goals. And the reality is that we don't have to get, we don't have to have a great striker per se, but we do need to be scoring, you know, 100, 110, 120 goals this year, like we normally do. And we've got to find those from somewhere. Um, But I do have to say that Sterling's performance last night, I just thought was so disappointing. not only in comparison to the pretty much the entire rest of the team, but also just on that on his on the basis of his performance alone. If he's going to play there, then he's got to be the right person to to play there, and he's got to really he's got to really turn up. And I I think anybody else playing as a striker um, the way he played last night would get an awful lot of criticism because he said he tended to be on his heels. He tended to be a bit lightweight, really, when he was um, collecting the ball with his back to a defender. Um, There just wasn't enough there um, that that made me think that he's the right person to be in that role, I'm afraid. All right. Well, listen, let's let's leave that behind. Let's move forward to to Liverpool at the weekend. And and, and Lizzo, uh, if, uh, if we could afford to lose against PSG... I suspect the opposite is the case. We we really don't want to lose. So Sarah mentioned three draws would would I'd take a point now. I think going away to Liverpool after the week we've had. Would you or or would you? Are you a bit more optimistic? So let's go for the win here. Where do you sit? I, I think on two accounts we've got to win that game or at least get a point. One for the for the Premier League, of course, and the other one is bragging rights um, because obviously we beat them at Anfield last year. But uh, obviously the fans would come back and say, well. You didn't have us as the 12th man to beat. So, you know, we're here now. Um, so I do believe we, we've got to at least get a point out of uh, Sunday. 
um, if not three. I think we've got the team to do it. Um, I think based on the performance last night, um, I think if that was against Liverpool, we'd have, we'd have got through, to be honest with you. Um, I know they've been raving about Salah's being uh, on his top form, but, but again, I think last night and the Chelsea game, if that team turns up on Sunday, I think we've got three points. Sarah? <laughs> You're smiling there at me. Well, I'm not going to put a downer on Ian's optimism. I'm, I'm, I'm trusting him. I'm assuming he's in the know, and he, he knows three points are coming our way. I mean, I, I think that's a really important point, actually, that we, uh, you know, bragging rights aren't, aren't more important than winning trophies. But there's always we've had this Anfield hoodoo for a long time. We won really convincingly last year, but they'll have the excuse that they didn't have their proper defence and they didn't have their twelfth man, etc. So it would be a real statement, more in a way, more of a statement victory, I think, than beating Chelsea, and that was a pretty big statement victory. Um, so yeah, we'd be delighted if they get a win. But I think I'm with you, Nigel. At this stage of the season. I'd be very happy if we get a point and delighted if we get a, a, a win. And Nick, do you think we've talked already about the fact that both Chelsea and PSG set up very defensively against City? City dominated possession. They kind of both tried to hit us on the break and, and one team successfully did, the other didn't. How, how do you see Liverpool and Klopp setting up? Do you see him being similar or do you think there'll be a different type of game on Sunday? Well, I don't think they'll do anything... Um wildly different to the way they they normally play um albeit you know in the past uh there've been occasions when the games have been pretty cagey i mean it's it's a bit difficult to to predict really because we've had a couple of games that have been pretty cagey with them there was the one where mares missed the late penalty where really nothing much happened in that until that and then there've been the very open games when it's really end to end and we know that liverpool rely on um, the wing backs and wide players and stretching the game. And they also like to play um, pretty directly up, up to the front. Um, I I guess, you know, it's not because we beat Chelsea, it's not absolutely the end of the world if we lose um, to Liverpool in terms of the season. And from Liverpool's perspective, it's a little bit of a free hit. Um, clearly, they, they'd love to win. Um, and I'm, I, I actually... I guess, given they're at home, they're more likely to be, you know, looking to to win the game and 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 quite attacking. I think, from our perspective, what we do need to be be wary of is that the pace of the European games last night is always a little bit lower than it is in the Premier League, um, and I think that we've got to be ready to do exactly what we did against Chelsea last week, which is to start really quickly, closing down really quickly. Um, and continue that for the whole game. Um, the problem for us is is that the, the last two games that we've had and how well we can do that as the third game in a week to really keep to, to keep the energy up and really make that happen. And in terms of lineup, Sarah, um, he's, he's played two very strong sides this week already. Um, is this the opportunity to maybe give Sterling a rest? I, I know we can have a second guest pet. He always surprises us. We have these conversations and we look at the team sheet. But where did that come from? But any any thoughts on maybe lineup who who may get rested? What his strongest lineup? Would he play his strongest lineup in a game like this? 
Well, there's an argument for playing the the same team he started against Chelsea, I think. I mean, I wouldn't play Sterling against Liverpool. He, he seems to freak out the moment he's in Anfield anyway. And as Nick rightly has said, he's, he's not contributing anything at the moment. I, I won't go into... Um, Raheem's shortcomings at the moment but you know and uh, we're always caught because he's given us so much over the years that I'm always reluctant to be overly critical of him but you know if you're a 250 grand a week footballer then fans are entitled to be concerned when you're uh, for a prolonged period of time and not giving us anything the person I think and I think either Nick or Ian gave him credit earlier but the person who is really impressing me so far this season is Rodri um you know, I knew there was a really good player in there. We saw glimpses of it in the previous um, season and a, and a bit, but he's started like a real Rolls-Royce machine in centre-mid. And um, so I definitely want to see Rodri in there. Uh, Bernardo for his harrying. So, I mean, my view is to play, start with the same team we started against Chelsea with. That was, that's where I would go, subject to there being no knocks from last night. All right. Uh, Lisa, would you, you're nodding in agreement, I guess. So it does sound about right. The Chelsea lineup looked good, worked well. Yes, I My understanding is I think uh, um, Trent Alexander Arnold's not going to be playing Sunday. I think he's injured. Um, so that's going to be interesting on their right, uh, our left. So if he plays Greenwich down there, whoever's going to be that right back is going to have a torrid time, to be honest with you. But yeah, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a difficult game. It always is at Anfield, um, but I just feel that we've got the... Com- I, I think the big thing for me is the team has got confidence. Um, if you looked against Southampton, um, the team didn't have confidence at all. They looked as though they'd never played before together. Where against Chelsea and PSG last night, they had confidence. They knew where each other was. They were flowing. Um, so, again, if, if that team turns up, whoever he picks... In, against Anfield, I think we'll do well. All right, uh, one one win, one loss. What's it going to be then? Let's have some predictions then be, before we go. Uh, Nick, one one, one one. Very good. Lizo, what are you going with? Two nil, City. And finally, Sarah Messenger. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go two two, but I'm hoping Ian's right. All right, <laughs> we're going with a Desmond at the end. All right, fantastic. Listen, thank you to my three guests, to Ian Lees, to Sarah Messenger. And to Nick Goldstone, this is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you very soon. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.